Welcome to the CFITrainer.net podcast. This is a time of unprecedented challenges for the emergency services. We are going to keep bringing you timely and interesting topics in fire investigation, but please know that we are mindful that coronavirus is impacting every aspect of your life as you continue to fulfill your mission. We'd like to hear from you how COVID-19 and its effects like lockdowns, social distancing, exposure risk, and increased calls for service are impacting how you and your department operate. Please get in touch with us using the contact form linked to this page near the resources. We hope to tailor some future programming to your concerns and responses. If maintaining your training is challenging during this time, remember that online learning from CFITrainer.net is available. There's also online learning from the National Fallen Firefighters at FHLN.net. And there's roadway safety information available from the Cumberland Valley Volunteer Firemen's Association at respondersafety.com. You can just click on their learning network there. There's also uh, online learning available from UL and the National Fire Academy. They are all available remotely from your computer or device 24-7, 365. In-person classes may not be an option right now, but you can still keep building your skills using distance learning. Links are available on this podcast page. Today on the podcast, we're talking to Dr. Peter Mancy. Dr. Mancy is an IAAI CFI, a member of the Chartered Society for Forensic Services, a fellow of the Institution of Fire Engineers, and a past president of the IAAI. He developed a fire investigation approach called Fire Investigation Roadmaps, or FIRMS, that provides a system for applying the scientific method to analyze the data collected at a fire incident in an unbiased manner. He's here today to talk about FIRMS. Dr. Mancy hails from the UK, where he is a partner at Fire Investigations UK. It's a pleasure to welcome you. How are you, Peter? Thank you, Rod, and it's a pleasure to uh, be talking to you again. And I missed you this year at the ITC. Yeah, that was, uh, well, that still is a brutal yeah. thing. You know, you get, you're used to that annual recharge of seeing everybody from around the world. Absolutely. So let's move on to this firms. How did you get the idea? Okay, so uh, many moons ago, I was facilitating forensic science students at London South Bank University. But at the same time, I was doing a lot of research into um, arsonists and arson detection um, and arson prosecution. And I said to the professor that I was dealing with that I would like to get an ology one day in something with all this research I'm doing. So um, he suggested that I do uh, what is called an MPhil research degree, which I eventually converted to a, a doctorate. PhD, and it was to design a methodology that all of the potential hypotheses at a scene can be rigorously tested, and it forces an investigator to ask the question instead of making an assumption. So that's how it originally started, um, and with the guidance of my professor, uh, we, we set off, and it took nine years to get there. So help us understand, wow, nine years. I, I had no idea that you had that much time into it. Uh, congratulations, <laughs> that's a lot of work. It is. So what, what are firms and, and how do they work? So fire investigation roadmaps, if, if you can imagine a, a, a geographical map, there are many routes that you can take along a path to get to the same answer, to get to the same end goal. And what can happen 
is there are so many distractions that can take you off of that path, you need to come back onto it. So I've often compared them to flight checklists, and I'm an avid follower of uh, air crash investigations, and I've been watching this over the years, and how very professional pilots and individuals can make a mistake because they've been distracted, they've missed a risk-critical bit of data, and in our case, that may be the piece of data that can determine the cause of the fire. So the roadmaps were designed to have a structure to your thought process, to the methodology of how you develop your hypotheses. So it's not a tick box checklist as such, but it does force you to answer the question. So it was broken down into many different categories that actually doesn't take long to do before you leave the scene. So if we go back to the pilot checklist, the pilot will use that before they take off the ground. The idea with the firms is that they are used before you leave the scene. Because as we say, what you leave at the scene, you lose at the scene. And I can't tell you, Rod, how many times I still think, practice what you preach, let's do the firms before we leave, and there's a piece of information that I've forgotten to ask, or I may have made an assumption, so I have to nail it down and get the facts. So that's all it does. It forces you to ask a question and not make an assumption. Sounds like a real good idea. So let's just uh, let's take ourselves to the scene and, and tell me, um, are you using this as a piece of paper or are you using this on a tablet or on a phone? How does, how does firms actually work with you while you're doing your job? Okay, well, all of our investigators use it. It's now tied into our, um, well, it's in parallel with ISO 17020, but it's part of our ISO 9001 management system. So you don't pull up at the scene and then get a checklist out and start going through it. You do what you're trained to do. Use your training, your experience, your qualifications, everything that you've done to get you to where you are today, you use those skills. You may come to a point where you've got time to sit down, reflect, make notes. Uh, it may be an hour, several hours into an investigation. It might be a day or two later if you're on a protracted investigation. But if you go to the, um, it's, it's now as an app rod, sorry to answer your question. I originally went to publishers to produce this in a book format. And many of them said it doesn't lend itself to a book, it lends itself to an app. So uh, me and my team and other people around the world will log on to their, any uh, tablet, iPad, they can use it on their phone, any platform, because it's uh, web-based. And you just go through the, the prompts um, and it will be a yes or no, or the information isn't available. So, for instance, if you're talking about adverse weather conditions, I've used this on a case that's 10 years old. So adverse weather conditions, ah, I haven't, I haven't got that information. I need to go back somewhere and find that information. So I may say at that point, information isn't available. So it has to be a potential hypothesis if I haven't got the information to refute it. So at the end, 
when you've gone through this, and it literally takes less than 15 minutes, normally around 10 minutes to complete on the tablet before you leave the scene, it will then list the potential hypotheses that apply to that fire scene. Or you then have to go back and do further research. But it forces you to ask the question before you leave the scene. And I've got a perfect example that I'll give you later. Well, I was just going to ask you for example, so uh, why don't you give it to me now? Okay, so the, the simple example I'm going to give you is, is, is this. How easy it is to make an assumption, and every fire investigator has done it in their career, probably does it without realising it, and that's not being disrespectful. I do it. I'll put my hands up. So I go to a, what they call a pyrolytic oven. So there's a fire in the casing of this pyrolytic oven. It's just an oven that self-cleans. It gets to very, very high temperatures. A very expensive house just outside North London. And it's contained to the housing that the oven is sitting in. The lady of the house smells smoke. The detector goes off. She gets a small garden hose, turns everything off, puts it out down the side of the oven. So I'm now, I ask her the usual questions. I take the photograph. I get the appliance out of the housing. I wrap it up. I label it, do the forms, everything else. Put it in the back of my Jeep. Then she's about to walk her dog. So thank you very much for the cup of tea. I'm just about to drive off. And I thought, fill the, fill the firms out. You know you should do it. Fill it out. So I'm sitting there filling it out. And I get to contractor. And I thought, she never mentioned about having any work done on this. But I haven't asked her. So as she's walking away with her dog, I shout at her, Mrs. whoever you are, can I ask you, has anybody worked on, on the oven at all in, recently? She said, yes, the morning of the fire. Pardon? <laughs> the morning of the fire. She said, I had it serviced, the, the seal needed replacing, and the guy told me to put it on a pyrolytic clean, and then it caught fire. <laughs> so I said, pretty much. I mean, can you imagine if this is an arson prosecution and you have missed a simple piece of data like that because an assumption was made, because she never mentioned it. I never saw any evidence of work being done on it. Uh, there were, that's a simple um, uh, case, but it's an important one. Sure is. I mean, I, you know, you brought up aviation. They say just a couple of usually one or two slip things or, you know, end up creating the big thing. And, uh... Uh, Rod, it, and, and, you know, it's the uh, how, how many planes have come down because uh, prior to takeoff, the, uh, the flap setting hasn't been put right because there's been an interruption. You can hear it on the black box yeah. with the, someone's walked into the cabin and... In some cases in Madrid, it happened three times when they got to that part. And so that's why they've done away with paper checklists now. With the firm's app, you can't progress until you ask, answer the question. So the aviation analogy works well um, as far as, you know, hey, if you forget this, that, or the other thing, you might have a really bad thing happen down the road. Do you have another example where you, uh, you feel as though, you know, hey, really caught something that could have been an issue or, or just another example you want to share? I, I have. I'll give you one that was um, an arson prosecution. Now, this, this, all of this research was the purpose and the title of the thesis was to increase the prosecution rate for arson, which at the time was around 3%. It was the lowest 
prosecute crime. Yeah. That was the purpose of it. However, I spent the first five years of my research doing anything but arson. It was all accidental causes because unless you can uh, eliminate, positively eliminate an accidental cause, you can't say it was a deliberate fire because it's got to be beyond reasonable doubt. So um, I got involved with a case review, as we all often do. So this case was about four or five years old, but it was going through the prosecution um, uh, process at the time. And a colleague in another fire department um, had taken this forward with the police as a prosecution, and I thought it smacks of this guy set the fire. So I used the firm's app, went through, and one of the critical questions was the weather. And when it's sort of that long ago, you, you can get that information. And the big issue was the wind direction. Now, once I'd got that piece of information, it was pretty clear. It involved a guy walking into a big, if you say like a mini aircraft hangar, and although he could smell smoke, he really couldn't, it didn't bother him because there'd been welding going on earlier that day. He popped in to pick up an envelope and walk back out again. Well, the wind was a quite strong wind coming right behind him. So as he opened the wicket door, is it possible that the wind blew in through that wicket door and pushed that smoke away from him so it, it didn't affect him that much? In fact, doing that actually started to feed a smouldering fire and transition into a flaming. Once we'd done all the tests, it was pretty clear that that is a, a high possibility. He still could have set the fire, but it could have been accidental. So he was acquitted, which was the right thing to do. But that piece of information was never considered in all of the investigation up to that point. Hmm. Interesting. So uh, I guess that's <laughs> quite a lesson learned. Uh, anything else you want to share with us about the application of the app and... Uh, I guess you said it's it's available for Apple and it's available for uh, Android or any web access. Yes, yeah, so the, the reason that I did that rather than device specific is, I mean, the, the big complication with setting up this uh, website is the uh, encryption. It had to be absolutely secure that even the guy that programs it doesn't know the case um, name or details. It just comes out as gobbledygook in a string of different numbers. Right. It's only the person that registers can ever see. Uh, I've got on the screen in front of me now a whole list of my jobs that I can see the name I've given them and the reference number. But the guy that does the programming, he can never see what I'm looking at on the screen. Because nice. it's, you understand what it means, what I've sure. above me. It's double encrypted or whatever it is. So uh, you can't see it. Now, the thing is with the with using these is if you look at NFK 921 where it, it asks for let me just open one up it asks for um, detail your methodology in how you uh, conducted your fire investigation well to list out every single bit of your thought process is almost impossible to do because you can't remember Whereas what this does, it lists your, it's a decision log. It produces a PDF decision log at the end. And it will give a decision number, a question ID number, the question itself, what your answer was, and the date and time that you made 
made that decision. So if at any time you get a new piece of data, you can go back anywhere within the firm, delete it, it will delete everything below it because you're going down a different route, and it will then, it doesn't delete the date and time you made that first decision, it puts a thin line through it of the new date and time. So we've had one of our guys give evidence in court and the judge asked him, why did you change your mind here? We can see it in this decision log. He could explain he had new data that became available, so it changed his hypothesis. So it's a great way of documenting your uh, decision log, basically. And, and it sounds like an excellent way to show your systematic approach to, to what you're doing. Um, so there's actually a product that comes out of this that, that, that sounds very valuable to people. Are, are people in the United States using this? There are, there are several using it. I mean, it's something that I don't, I don't uh, push Rod. It's there if people want to use it. All I ever say is if you're going to come up against one of our guys, <laughs> you better have a good system of, of logging your decisions and your thought process and how, how you come up with those hypotheses. Uh, because um, we, we use this, it's been uh, we've been complimented on by the um, our ISO accrediting organisation, and uh, it, it, it's amazing how much it works. I did a, a boat fire last week, just less than a week ago, uh, which was an arson fire, and by using this, the client was very uh, impressed with it and, and pleased with the way it came out because they caught someone. And that old um, get-out-of-jail card is I was actually trying to steal the VHF radio, and in doing so, I must have started a fire. Well, this forces you to go through all of those potential accidental causes and say there is no evidence, but there is evidence of deliberate fire setting, two-seats fire, and so on. Hmm. So it's, it's a simple thing, Rod. It is a flight checklist before you leave the scene. You know, this fire I had was... Uh, 500 mile round trip and if I just get back and say oh I forgot to look at um, it's a long way to go back so well it sounds it like a, a, a great tool that's a simple thing to integrate into what you do during the day so any legal issues as far as you know this is something you created over in the UK um, legally does it still seem to work when it crosses over the pond yeah, and from the guys that are using it in, in the States, uh, they've said that they'll always use it. It it's, gives them a good structure. And do you know, though, Rod, I'll be perfectly honest with you, I'm like everybody else. When I've finished at the end of a scene, especially when I've got a long drive home, the last thing I want to really do is sit in the vehicle or just go through and, and do this. But it's a habit. It's like putting your seatbelt on. You know, you just get in the habit of doing it or putting your crash helmet on. This takes 10 minutes to do, and you drive away every single time. In fact, I always challenge people when they sign up to this. If you do this for the next 10 scenes, you won't not do it on your 11th because you'll feel uncomfortable that you may have forgotten something because you'll always find something that you probably missed. It's a great so point. It's a safety net. So how does somebody get started if they want to try it out? Well, there's, um, it's a, a, sorry, Rob, it's a subscription because of the cost of running the platform, as you know more than most, mm -hmm. uh, running it, updating it, and, and tweaking it. One of the things, um, you can use it for four weeks, 
you can and what I always say to people is please use it set a date in your diary like all of these subscription things if it's not for you just delete it and cancel it um, go back over old cases get on there go back over old cases that you've done and apply the firm's app and see if you were still 100% happy about the outcome of that case. Okay, and is there a website they should go to? There is. It's www.firmsapp.io. So spell that out for us, because I've got a little bit of feedback, and you've got a little bit of British. Okay. (laughs) So it's Foxtrot India Romeo Mike Sierra Alpha Papa Papa dot io okay so firmsapp.io that's it that's that's it. that's how you say it okay well that's about it unless i did i neglect to uh, ask anything that you feel is important no no i can think i mean you know after nine years Rod, i could talk about this all day but it's so simple in fact when i when i was doing the uh research and getting towards the end i was lucky i had 28 fire investigation officers in the London Fire Brigade that I could apply these to. And it's just human nature that people don't realise they're taking a shortcut, they're making an assumption, and they're not recording it. This forces them. And it, it just, it's so simple. Um, and it was uh, the guy that challenged me is Professor Dougal Drysdale on my Viva. And he said to me about a year or two later, why, uh, why isn't this published? Why haven't you got it out there? And uh, so he really encouraged me to do this. Good. And I'm pleased he did. I'm glad too. And I just was thinking, as you said, Fire Brigade, one of the things we didn't do was introduce your role to the Fire Brigade. Why don't you just uh, tell us that real quick before we go out? Because I feel neglectful. Oh, no, not at all. Um, I started this research when I was uh, in the Fire and Arson investigation team in the London Fire Brigade. And it took me... Uh, a year after I retired from the fire department to complete the research. Um, But while I was there, I was fortunate enough to end up being the um, group manager for the whole team, which where we had 28 dedicated full-time fire investigation officers. So I could apply my research and my methodology to those fire investigators to see if it worked or not. And I was just surprised at how simple things seemed to work very well. Yeah, it was good to be in leadership and to have a focus group. So uh, Yeah, absolutely. Well, Peter, thank you very much again for your time today. You're more than welcome, Rod. And uh, as always, thanks for all you do uh, with CFI Trainer and everything else. And I look forward to hearing more uh, and seeing you next year, if not before. Best to you and Claire. Be well, and uh, we'll see you soon. And you. Take care, Rod. Bye, man. Thanks, Peter. We are very grateful for Dr. Mancy coming on to uh, speak with us about firms on today's podcast. Sounds like it's a pretty innovative tool, and it sounds what's nice is it sounds like it's simple to use, uh, and and it has a work product uh, that comes out of it that could be useful to a lot of folks. We have a link to the firm's tool online on this podcast page, so users can learn more. This podcast and CFITrainer.net 
are made possible by funding from a fire prevention and safety grant from the Assistance to Firefighters Grant Program administered by FEMA and the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. Support also comes from the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives and voluntary online donations from CFITrainer.net users and podcast listeners like you. Thanks again for your time today. We appreciate it. Stay safe. We'll see you next time. For the International Association of Arson Investigators and CFITrainer.net, I'm Rod Ammon. <laughs>